When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The teams have been selected for the biggest tournament of the year. There's only a few days left to join in on all of the action before the teams tip off this Thursday. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a shot to bet just $5 on any team to win, and you are going to win $200 in free bets if they do. Yep, it's that simple. If they win, so do you. DraftKings customers can also get in on the action with the same game parlay. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash wherever you want. For instance, you know, maybe you gotta get some cash to go out for a date or, you know, get some gas with gas prices. Who knows? And you're like, oh yeah, I want a little bit of scratch on that San Diego State upset, you know, or whatever it may be. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook, download the app now, use the promo code DNVR, bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, we've got Dylan Burkhart of UM Hoops. Excited to catch up with him, get his perspective on Michigan as a whole. This matchup with CSU. First things first, how you feeling, man? Michigan was kind of on the bubble. I, I got to imagine it was a bit uneasy. I mean, I guess just given after the Indiana game, how confident were you? And, and did you feel like they were potentially in that last foreign scenario? Yeah, it's been quite a season for Michigan. Honestly, it's been a lot of ups and downs and disappointment based on preseason expectations. Uh, I, it was a long week waiting to see where Michigan would end up. Um, I think the, the consensus was kind of they were right on the edge there between the first four and not, and it turned out they were the last team into the field straight up, right? So they are the last at large. Uh, I, it's, it's tough to really say how Michigan fans are feeling about the whole situation. That Indiana game was kind of a disaster, right? They blew a 17-point lead. It, was, it sort of sums up the entire season, right, for – 30 minutes in that game, they looked like a great team. They looked like the team everyone thought they could be, and they just completely unraveled in that final 10 or 12 minutes. So it's been a weird one for sure. I, I haven't gotten to watch quite as bit, uh, quite as much Michigan as, as, as I was hoping to this season. My grandfather's a Michigan alum. Um, I, I root for them, you know, in March Madness. Traditionally, this year will be a little bit of a, <laughs> a different scenario. In your estimation, 
you know, what's been the problem this year? Is it just consistency? Because like you said, I mean, it's the preseason number six team. They're coming off of a deep run. They've got all this talent. Yeah, so Michigan lost, obviously, a lot of talent. Uh, Franz Wagner was a lottery pick. He's been really good as a rookie in the NBA. Lost Shondi Brown, lost Mike Smith, lost Isaiah Livers. A lot of guys who are getting paychecks to play basketball now. Uh, they did bring back Hunter Dickinson. They brought in this great recruiting class. So that was sort of the root of the preseason expectations. But the big issue for this team all year has just been the ability to play good defense by any sort of like they're just been a bad defensive team, right? Like the problems have maybe changed at different points with why the defense doesn't work, but they're not a good defensive team. A uh, big part of that is that they play basically two bigs at the same time and Moose Diabate and Hunter Dickinson. And they're just not great defensively from communication. They have, it's just, it's a bad defensive team and that's been a big struggle. Kind of off of that, I'm, I'm interested to see how Michigan kind of prepares for this matchup and kind of Colorado state, because obviously Michigan on average about two inches of height across the board, bigger than CSU. I kind of wonder, and this is something that Jim root of three man we've talked about on my podcast yesterday, CSU might be better to just lean into the small ball and try and run them off the court. Yeah. It's funny because for a long time under John Beeline, Michigan would go into a lot of these kind of NCAA tournament matchups and they would be the small team, right? They would be the team that's going to, spread the bigger, more athletic team out and shoot a bunch of threes, whatever else. Uh, I Watching Colorado State, it seems like a pretty obvious strategy to just try to – I would play David Roddy at the five because I don't know how Hunter Dickinson is going to guard him. I suspect Michigan will go zone to try to counteract that. But, again, Michigan kind of plays zone defense when nothing else works, not because it's good at playing zone defense. So it would definitely cause Michigan some issues. Uh, I – at the same time, though, like Hunter Dickinson is really good. He's going to get his buckets in. I, I think you run the risk of maybe getting Roddy into foul trouble if you go extra small, right? So there's a totally. lot to – it's sort of a, a trade-off situation where who can stomach more, right? Both of these teams are going to struggle to defend the other team, but they're going to have to really just lean into, okay, we're going to give up baskets. Can, can we score more efficiently than the other team? So that's the big question or the trade-off in this game, I'd say. I mean, that was kind of my exact qualm. You know, it's, I, I do think the small ball lineup offensively, it's by far the best what CSU can run out there pretty much in any game. The problem is, is the trade off is when you've got Roddy at the five, he's given up half a foot on Dickinson. And it's not that he can't handle that type of guy, but to do it for 40 minutes is, is really asking a lot of him. Um, CSU does have a couple of other forwards and James Moores and Deshaun Thomas. Moores is, is kind of the, traditional center, I guess. Um, he's coming off of a pretty rough game against San Diego State, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they they handle that one. Who's the X factor for Michigan in this matchup outside of Dickinson? Because I think everybody, I mean, a seven foot one center, you know, a top 100 recruit, everybody knows him. I, I've really enjoyed watching Devontae Jones. I think the experience of, of Eli Brooks is probably beneficial, but kind of who's the X factor for you? Yeah, so a big part of like, Hunter Dickinson post-ups get a lot of attention and he's really good in that spot, but Michigan runs a lot of ball screen stuff um, through Devante and Devante Jones has, he really struggled early in the year. It was kind of a scapegoat for a lot of Michigan fans with how the team was struggling, whatever else. But since really Michigan had a kind of a COVID pause or shutdown, whatever in 
late December, early January. And since that point, uh, Devontae Jones has just been really good. He's finding his spots to score. He's, he's really picked up the ball screen offense quite well. Um, the X fact. So he's going, I wouldn't even say he's an X factor. He's just a big part. Like Michigan needs him to play well to win. The X factors are going to be the freshmen. It's Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate. Um, Houston has, he's a six, eight wing who plays the three. He, uh, was a top 10 recruit. He reclassified up a year. He's known as a really great shooter and he's shooting 37% from three on the year. But uh, he's he's been much, much better shooting at home. His home road splits on three-point shooting are significant, like 45% at home, 28% on the road. When he makes shots, this offense reaches a whole new level. Um, so if Houston is going to hit the – he's going to get shots. He's going to get five, six, seven, three-point. The, if they go in, all of a sudden Michigan is reaches a whole new level of offensive efficiency. If they don't, they, they kind of struggle. Um, he's not the best athlete. He's not the best defender. Uh, it his whole game kind of comes and goes with how that shooting stroke works. So he's an X factor. And then Musa Diabate is a really interesting one at his best moments. He looks incredible. Like he's, he's six eleven. He can handle the ball. He can play in the post. He can, he's like, he moves extremely well. And like at times he'll look like an all American and other times he just can't really catch up. He can be prone to getting in foul trouble. Um, I think like if you go back and, look at Michigan's two games against Iowa this year. He completely outplayed Keegan Murray, scored 30 points at Iowa. And then the next game just basically got played off the floor by Murray. So it, he like has that ability, but whether he can find it on any given night, it can be hard to predict, I guess you can say. In some ways, do you kind of feel like Michigan might be a year early or kind of in between runs? I mean, obviously you guys want to see Michigan make a run. They have the talent. It's possible. We see it every year, you know, a team that's been inconsistent all like UCLA last year, you know, inconsistent all year, skating around 500. Then they end up making a run to the final four. They build off of it this year. Or is, I, I mean, I guess I'm just confused because I know that they lost a lot of talent, but then when I watch them and you see the good moments, you're like, I mean, the good moments are as good as just about anything I've seen in the big 10. Yeah. Well, in this day and age, it's hard to really know what, what anything's building toward, right? Uh, th like there's going to be a lot of NBA decisions. Devontae Jones is a grad transfer. So he technically could come back for another year, I believe with his COVID eligibility, but I don't think that's really expected. Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, Hunter Dickinson. These are all guys who are going to have to make NBA draft decisions. So I think in this day and age, like you're sort of what you are in one spot and then you have to figure out what the portal is going to bring, what recruiting is going to bring, what everything else with the NBA draft. Like, I don't know. I think that's probably why this year has been somewhat disappointing in a lot of ways is because you had like Hunter Dickinson's played like an all American center offensively this year. Uh, and you don't want that to, to go to waste, right? Like he's had some truly incredible games. Um, that Michigan just has not been able to get that defense figured out. I don't know about you guys, but during March Madness, it's it's kind of like Christmas or the holidays. You know, you just you don't think about how many calories you're consuming. You know, you want to eat a pizza? Why not? Two pizzas even. And if you are going to grub down on some pizza, you got to do it with the best spot in the Denver metro area. And that is, of course, Sexy Pizza. With 13 years in the Denver community, Sexy Pizza is as local as it gets. A hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch-each-morning dough. You can choose your own adventure with a wide range of toppings, 
or try one of their philanthropies. A portion of every sale from these five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. Go to www.sexy.pizza and check out their about page for the donations link to see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. But I'm telling you guys, a 12 inch, 16 inch, 18 inch crust, whatever you go with, it's going to be the right fit. Add on all the fixins. They got wings, salads, pasta, knots, desserts, you name it, vegan options, a 12 inch gluten-free crust. You've got yourself a can't miss hit. Stop by any of their four Denver locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. Or if you're out in Trinidad, go check out their new location out there. What is the, I mean, in your opinion, obviously, how how do the fans feel about Michigan basketball at the moment? Obviously, not even just like this season, but the state of the program. You guys are coming off of a deep run, but then you have, you know, this whole thing with Juwan Howard and the handshake line. And was that something that was... Maybe did people even care about that in Michigan? First of all, because it's like in a rivalry, and it kind of looked like the guy had it coming. Um, you <laughs> get to act better than that as a coach. I'm not defending it, but I could see a situation where Michigan fans were like, "Ah, eh, Greg Gard's an asshole." He kind of had it coming. So, I think the frustration around this season from Michigan fans has much more to do with the fact that Michigan was preseason top five and now was the last team in the NCAA tournament, basically. Uh, I think by and large, like people were like, that was not a pretty moment by any, but I don't think that's what is really driving any sort of like dissatisfaction with the season. I think it's much more about underachieving or the fact that Michigan has alternated win loss, win loss, win loss for the last month of the year. And like, it's just, there hasn't been anything. And I think it's hard when you're picked preseason top five, right? Like it's one thing to play your way into the NCAA tournament if you're picked outside the top 25 and you get better throughout the year. But Michigan just had all of these expectations at the, at the start of the year. And then the air just kind of came out of that balloon and hasn't it really been able to get back there, right? So that's most of the frustration with this team. And that's – and like then you go to that Indiana game, it just – that's just everything right there, right? Like it's all – I don't know. This team – if you told me this team's going to go and win two games this weekend and go to the Sweet 16, like they're clearly capable of that. They they can play that well. They just haven't been able to play that well consistently. And I think that's the big problem. And that's the frustration that fans have with this group. What does Michigan need to do to win this game? Is it just try and play the most complete defensive game that they can? Yeah, it's hard. Like, I, I think they just need to score right like I honestly it comes down to playing a perfect offensive game where I think I I don't think they're gonna stonewall Colorado State's offense um I think it it has to be okay dominate the game inside um I know Colorado State is a good defensive rebounding team but I also like how many teams has Colorado State played that have the kind of size Michigan has I know Wyoming plays through the post a lot in the Mountain West but like, like I, three, I, maybe San Diego state's got good size. Fresno state's got Orlando Robinson. Who's a true NBA yeah. five. Um, Creighton had okay size with Ryan Hawkins when they played him, but he's still more of like a stretch four. he's not like a, you know, bruiser in the paint, you know, throwing post moves on you. It's, I mean, it's a legitimate concern. I think everybody recognizes that out here. The, the, the other argument, I guess, is just that, everybody is bigger than CSU. Like literally yeah, everybody so that they to, played all year. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, that's fair. I, 
I just think there's a there's a route to Michigan winning this game that just is sort of a size overwhelming inside, right? Whether it's offensive rebounding, whether it's playing through the post, and if Michigan can get Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate playing well inside, all of a sudden they they could really score. So I think that's that's the path. Um, I think three point shooting will be a big key. I know Colorado State gives up a lot of three point attempts, which I assume kind of has to do with always having to double the post and things like that, given that size. Uh, so is Caleb Houston going to hit shots? Is Eli Brooks going to hit shots? Those become big factors. Um, but yeah, it's like Colorado State's going to score points in this game. I don't see, I don't see Michigan winning with its defense in the NCAA tournament. What was your gut reaction when you saw Colorado State is who Michigan drew? Was it, this is an exciting matchup? Ah, oh, crap. Like, that's a really good team. Just kind of what was your, your initial gut feeling? My immediate reaction was like, thank God I don't have to go to Dayton and deal with that whole <laughs> process because I've covered a team that went to the first four and then went and trying to get to the next game was, was a real chore. So that was my immediate reaction. Um, I actually, my... Uh, as far as Colorado State goes, my initial reaction was that it'll be a really interesting game just because of their offense and how interesting that would be to watch because I don't really know of many teams that Michigan has played in the Big Ten, at least for sure, that play a similar style. So I think playing a unique style is kind of one of the things that makes the NCAA tournament such a fun thing to track and watch and cover. So, yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you here is just about the location itself. and. I mean, Michigan's played here before very recently. Yeah. You know, they know the sight lines. The game didn't go well, but I do think that is an advantage as well as, you know, just being four hours away from the site. You know, it's, it's a lot easier for, for Michigan fans to get there. It'll probably be basically a home game. I mean, there's more Michigan alum anyways, but the fact that it's closer, was this kind of the, the location Michigan fans were, were hoping for? Or I guess Milwaukee would have been good too. I, so I don't really think... The fan part, I don't expect Michigan to draw particularly well in Indianapolis, given how this no. season has gone. And give like, oh, I don't, good point. Good point. it's going to be all Kentucky and Tennessee fans in that town uh, all week, I would say. Um, they might root for CSU, to be honest. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I, I don't really like Michigan draws really well in like major metro areas. Like some of Michigan's best uh, neutral court games have been in New York or DC or LA. I, I don't know that there's enough excitement that's there'll be people there and it'll be a Michigan, but I don't think it'll be anything overwhelming. Uh, the bigger advantage will probably just be, yeah, they are familiar with it. They can take the bus. Uh, they obviously were there last week, but also they were in an indie for the entire NCAA tournament, big 10 tournament bubble last year. So they were there for like a month. I don't know. I don't think they actually played at, uh, what is it now? Game Cambridge, Cambridge Fieldhouse. Fieldhouse. It used yeah. to be Banker's Life. Uh, in in that run, um, but it will still. It's a comfortable environment, and the most important part probably is that it's a noon tip, which is uh, time zone difference, right? I know Michigan played San Diego State in back in December, and that was a noon tip, and I assume that probably helps quite a bit as far as like giving a small advantage at least. I know they're getting down. They got their flight scheduled and they got down there today. Is that right? Yeah, like it, it turned into a whole ordeal. Apparently, the NCAA like didn't have their travel booked. I mean, the coach they were the coaches were kind of annoyed about that. 
like yesterday morning that they didn't even know. And then I guess by like night, they still didn't have it. And, you know, then they went through Norlander and he greased the wheel. And I guess the NCAA figured it out. But I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't that big of a deal, but I'm, I'm just glad that it all got all got figured out. Yeah, here here's something that I, I don't know if there's anything to it, but I'm curious what you think, if, if I can flip it around for a sec. So Michigan played UNLV and San Diego State this year. Okay. And that's basically four of Colorado State's five losses this year, right? We're to those two teams. Do you make anything? Uh, yeah, one in the that? conference tournament, but yeah, four of those. Five. Yeah, so like I know UNLV got a lot better as the year went on, but were those two of the better teams in the Mountain West? Like that's what I'm trying to kind of gauge um, what what to really make of that because I know I think both of those teams actually did probably improve as the year progressed, but did they? Was there something about those teams that made Colorado State not a great matchup? Or well, San Diego State's just tough for everyone because they're basically the anti-Michigan. All they do is defend, is defend. and they they muck up everything. They clog up lanes. They have the most active hands of like any group mm-hmm. I've seen in the country, and so they just they make it hard to score. Like in that last loss, for instance, Roddy Isaiah Stevens, Chandler Jacobs is a D two transfer, a fifth year guy. Those dudes went like. 13 of 20 for the floor for 52 points. Everyone else on the team went like two of 15 from the floor and they ended up losing UNLV. It was just kind of an instance of they couldn't stop Bryce Hamilton. And he's one of the more underrated scorers in the country. Like he hits some of, he's one of those dudes where like, especially in the second game, they designed back-to-back plays for him where they had a couple of high screens at the the top of the key. And they just, they weren't even good shots. Like (laughs) falling out of bounds, hand in his face, and he just drains back-to-back threes. And then he gets this look in his eye, and you're just like, oh, God, here we go. And then he goes for 35, <laughs> and you're just like... Fair enough. Well, all right. But um, those are two teams with a lot of length, though. So, I mean, it is... It's concerning, I think, from CSU's perspective. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I, it'll be a... I, I think it'll be a shootout. I think it'll actually be a really fun game to watch in general. Um but it'll be a fun one. I think the NCAA agrees. I mean, I think that's kind of why they put it as the the first game there. You know, you get 30 minutes of, or 25 minutes, whatever it is, of kind of being the, the only game in the country. For sure. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for doing this, man. I've, I've enjoyed following your work. It was it was great to talk with you in person. Are, are you going to get to go out there in person? Yeah, I'll be down there um, this week for sure. Awesome. I will see you out there, man. Thank you. And, uh, the people can follow you on Twitter at UM Hoops, right? Yep, that's it. Word. Go give him a follow. He does great stuff. Check out everything he does, recruiting, news, all kinds of stuff. Dylan, thank you. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.